studied all the other countries. We've talked to people all across the globe about what they did, what they've done, what worked, what doesn't work. This is the voice of Andrew Cuomo. Uh, and that has all informed this policy. A re-elected governor of New York State. Two basic rules. Uh, only essential businesses will be functioning. People can work at home, God bless you. But only essential businesses can have workers. Enough intensive care beds, enough doctors and nurses. And as we've seen elsewhere in other countries that also have fantastic healthcare systems, that is the moment of real danger. I want you to know directly from me that I never touched anyone inappropriately or made inappropriate sexual advances. The independent investigation has concluded that Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women and in doing so violated federal and state law. Specifically, the investigation found that Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed current and former New York State employees by engaging in unwelcome and non-consensual touching and making numerous offensive comments of a suggestive and sexual nature that created a hostile work environment for women. I am 63 years old. I've lived my entire adult life in public view. That is just not who I am. And that's not who I have ever been. The investigators independently corroborated and substantiated these facts through interviews and evidence, including contemporaneous notes and communications. This evidence will be made available to the public along with the report. Here's Governor Cuomo on official work business one month ago. And there is an attitude that they'll be fine, why should they take the vaccine? Maybe you will get a long-haul syndrome that we're not really sure what it is yet, but a lingering consequence of COVID. Or maybe you go home and kiss your grandmother and wind up killing your oh, grandmother. Life. Oh, my goodness. That was Governor Cuomo. If you get a vaccine, you don't have to worry about unvaccinated people because you have the vaccine. I am vaccinated. You may not be vaccinated, but you don't pose a risk to me because I am vaccinated. So if you are vaccinated, what are you worrying about? Well, there'll be unvaccinated people. That's their problem. They have to worry about catching COVID, not you. And listen to the governor's change in stance today. And we have to get in those communities, and we have to knock on those doors, and we have to convince people, and put them in a car, and drive them, and get that vaccine in their arm. That is the mission. A grandiose sense of self-importance. 
lives in a fantasy world that supports their delusions of grandeur. A former aide to Governor Cuomo, who's now running for Manhattan Borough President, claims that he sexually harassed her. Lindsay, I say, don't say that person died in my nursing home. It's just keep coming for Governor Cuomo. He stepped in front of me and kissed me on the lip. 25-year-old Charlotte Bennett says Governor Cuomo asked her inappropriate questions about her sex life. The pile continues. The New York Attorney General is now officially launching an inquiry into the... We want to address the recent allegations that have been made against me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for whatever pain I caused anyone. I never intended it. Uh, and I will be the better for this experience. When we don't hold our leaders accountable, we allow them to continue their abuse and impunity. And a pattern of lies. It is unacceptable. The governor must resign. He can no longer do the job. Needs constant praise and admiration. Sense of entitlement. Exploits others without guilt or shame. Ten minutes berating me, yelling at me, um, threatening me and my career. Frequently demeans, intimidates, bullies, or belittles others. These are the symptoms. Uh, my livelihood. I'm sorry, I think we gotta just finish. Thank you. Of someone with narcissistic personality disorder. And these people are running our world. New Year's Eve, a mere six months ago, but it now seems like a lifetime. Across the world, hundreds of millions of people come together to celebrate a new decade. Britain, there is a promise of better times after the years of bitter division over Brexit. 2020 is upon us and now we have a wonderful opportunity to unite as a country and move forward together. The most spectacular display is arranged by the Chinese government in Shanghai. There are no fireworks here. Instead, 2,000 drones take to the air in a display, choreographed to show the world how far China is striding ahead in scientific innovation. But just 500 kilometers away in a provincial city few of us have ever heard of, the deadliest threat to global stability in a generation is already heading our way. The CDC, CDC. CDC has found that um, PCR tests can't distinguish between the flu and COVID. Are we looking at that? Are we concerned about that? Oh, look, I think we'll look into it. It's not really an issue. When people have symptoms at the moment, they are primarily going to our testing sites to see if they uh, have COVID. We have got virtually no flu uh, in Australia. Like last year, there is virtually no flu uh, to be found. Um, uh, if someone tests positive, uh, it'll go through a quality assurance process uh, 
to make sure that it's a, uh, absolutely and unequivocally a positive test. I've heard nothing from our reference laboratories that our PCR tests do anything other than pick up with enormous sensitivity um, the, the COVID virus. I just want to be clear in terms of the definition of people dying of COVID. So the case definition is, is very simplistic. It means at the time of death, um, it, it was a COVID positive diagnosis. So that means that if you were in hospice and had already been given, you know, a few weeks to live, and then you also were found to have COVID, that would be counted as a COVID death. It means that if, um, technically, if even if you died of a clear alternate cause, but you had COVID at the same time, it's still listed as a COVID death. So um, everyone who's listed as a COVID death doesn't mean that that was the cause of the death, but they had COVID at the time of death. I hope that's helpful. We had a human rights movement. And we made it into a political party that's running in our in our Knesset in uh, less than a month. The side that is locking people up for the crime of being healthy, arresting protesters, pepper spraying kids and beating up grannies, banning books and electronic messages, censoring social media, sending threatening letters, forcing small businesses to close, urging people to do to dob into centres, and banning safe drugs that have worked for 60 years are all on the wrong side of history. In a frightening development, New South Wales has called in the troops to keep innocent, healthy citizens locked in their homes in what can only be called martial law. But at least there's still some people fighting our cause. Here's the Australian Parliament. Recent freedom marches showed what happens to citizens who exercise their democratic right to protest. People are demonised, hunted down. The media vilifies to discourage others from questioning the control state. If the government can decide who is free and who is not, then that is not freedom, and no one is free. Bishop House for work sites, but we, we keep getting told households, the big problem, are you going to be going suburb to suburb, street to street, door to door, knocking on these, and actively looking for people who are in the wrong house and finding them on the spot? Yeah, look, absolutely. Overnight, we conducted hundreds of checks, particularly those who were close contacts or who have the virus. Thankfully, everyone was home as they were supposed to be on health advice. A crisis will always be found to justify measures designed to protect the government, not the public. A crisis that is as easy to create as turning up the PCR test from 24 cycles up to 42, where a false positive is the most likely outcome, as has occurred. We'll continue to do that. We know home-to-home -home transmission is a huge issue for us. We know that people are bringing it home from work sites that aren't complying with health orders. So if you think about the powers that I've asked for, it will take it to those businesses that are breaching the health orders. Actions such as these have created a crisis of confidence in government. And that, fellow citizens, is on the Senate. We are the House of Review. We're tasked with the duty to ensure honesty, transparency and accountability in the government of the day. We have failed in that solemn duty, our duty to our constituents. We have failed those yet to vote, our children, who are now being injected with a substance that has not undergone meaningful safety testing. The Liberal, National and Labor parties have colluded to waive these measures through this place, reducing the Senate to the status of a dystopian echo chamber. Each new restriction, although met with rightful public opposition, has not led to a re-evaluation, but rather has led the government to crack down even further. The Morrison government is behaving like a gambling addict who loses a hand and instead of admitting error and walking away, it doubles down. With troops now on the streets, 
it's frightening to contemplate where this will end. Everyday Australians are being deliberately demoralised to extract a, hard, a higher degree of compliance. When COVID first arrived, there were few masks, and the experts and authorities told us masks were not necessary. Now those same medically ineffective masks are used to condition people to fear and obedience. Crushing resistance crushes hope, and without hope we have no future. Is it any wonder that small businesses are closing permanently? Every small business closed was a family being provided for from work, hard work and enterprise. Who will look after those families now? The government? With whose money? The Reserve Bank, using electronic journal entries, can only create fiat money out of thin air for so long before it runs down our country. The government can only sell bonds until buyers stop coming forward. Then what happens? 15 days, death toll tallies, intubations, lockdowns, masks save lives, months pass by. Get tested, vaccine save lives, months pass by, death toll tallies, economic collapse, months pass by, masks don't work, vaccines don't work, the tests don't work. Get tested anyway. Do you see it yet? To people who were once able to pay their own way, since when is a Liberal government, the party supposedly of Menzies, dedicated to making huge sections of the population totally reliant on the government for survival? The bad joke here is that the excuse used to justify this sudden rush to Marxism, public health, is moot. Deaths from all sources, including coronavirus and the flu, are at historic lows. Australia's death rate in 2020 was less than in 2019, and 2021's death rate is lower again. Climate change, sex change, follow the science, men are women, ignore the science, women are cis, they don't exist. Breastfeeding is chest feeding. They, them, kids are sexual, little girls are kinky, eight-year-old drag queens because trans is beautiful and degeneracy is tolerance. Do you see it yet? We're strangling Australia's economic life and future for no reason. Power has gone to the heads of our elected leaders and unelected bureaucrats who are exercising powers yet do not feel the consequences themselves. Never in history has Lord Acton's famous quote rung more true, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. 1776, 1984, left, right, Democrat, Republican, capitalism, sexism, racism, socialism, communism, globalism, new world order, chaos, disorder, BLM, CRT, MAGA, Antifa, defund, debase, erase, virus, death, toll, declines, crime death toll surges, open borders, kids in cages, kids trafficked, kids raped, kids killed in the womb, get jabbed anyway. It's been calculated that the civil disobedience tipping point, which is the maximum capacity of the, of the police to arrest people, of the jails to hold people, and of the courts to process people, is, in Australia, around 100,000 people. Variance. Anything more than that, and the system comes crashing down. Attendance at the Freedom Rallies last month shows we're almost there. Do you see it yet? Do you see it yet? Do you see it yet? Has the UK got a finance curse? Is it a trick question? Because the UK doesn't have finance. The City of London has, and it's not part of the UK. Good answer. <laughs> Good answer. It's international, is right. The City of London is outside the United Kingdom, do you know that? It's, it's really shocking. And it, therefore it's also not part of the EU, which explains uh, the, although it couldn't be part of the EU because you have to have democratic elections and the City of London doesn't, right? It's, it's the banks that have the votes, right? Right. 
per staff, you know, the sort of pieces. How do you start yeah. unpicking this puzzle? I know, yeah, that's a very useful piece of information. And of course, it's not part <laughs> it's of the UK. dangerous piece and of information. It is not part of the UK because the Queen is not allowed to enter without permission. She's not the sovereign, therefore it's not part of the UK. It's, you know, of course, that's since, you know, 1688. Since the foreign invasion. <laughs> a rather telling report came out this week. And for the first time, we heard the truth. The CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, which is the national organization. You go to a map. We're kept in the dark a lot about a lot of things. A government organization that is to report to us the truth about disease said that in truth. But if you really pay attention, the truth is there. 6% of the deaths that have occurred can be directly attributable to COVID. 94% cannot. Of the 160,000 people that have died, 9,210 actually died from COVID. There is no pandemic. If you drowned the politics, we could save science. Point we've made all throughout. If you're symptomatic, that's when you should stay at home and isolate. Yeah. And actually, if you get pandemic and you get, it should heighten your awareness of any symptoms, and that's when you get tested. But actually, those who remain asymptomatic, the the the, the risk is so low that actually, what we need to do is change the whole structure of what we think about when we use these apps, yeah. and then go to an area like Cornwall where cases are very low, and actually trial them as well to see if they actually can make a difference oh i mean trials that would be silly then you'd have then you would have evidence that, that that's 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 where madness would lie uh, Carl um what, what do you make of the uh, front page of the telegraph today hospital covid case numbers misleading now they've been reporting on this uh, an awful lot throughout the pandemic a number of yeah. things that they they've reported on in recent months um the idea you know, just the idea that you know we've obviously had issues over cases and whether or not someone is actually a case uh, if they've got no symptoms and if they and if they we're looking at a cycle threshold of well above 30 often 45 is the norm in in this in the country we believe where actually you're picking up the virus from a long way ago but we also uh, know that you know question marks about the covid deaths and whether or not someone dying with covid counts as a covid death if it's you know completely uh, just by the by the work being treated for it but these are now official figures they have a breakdown by the nhs showing that one in four people who are counted in the term all those figures we see in the six o'clock news every night saying these are the people who are in hospital with covid one in four of those are not in hospital for covid they've been treated for something completely different didn't go into hospital with covid not having haven't haven't developed symptoms since they are being treated for something else entirely they would be in hospital with or without covid and yet they are counted as one of the covid statistics is that misleading the public so I was looking at this data yesterday and I think this data is incredibly important in terms of trying to understand what's going on. What we're talking about for the first time is trying to get accurate data. Surely you can see it now. The test is a hoax. It doesn't work. Asymptomatic spread is not a thing. The vaccine doesn't work. And deaths from the vaccine are essentially being covered up. Despite that, being unlawful as informed consent is the most 
important requirement when asking someone to take an experimental medication of which these vaccines are with no long-term safety data and it's the first time in history we've ever tried these type of vaccinations on humans that's a fact they've only been authorized in emergency use authorization which have been justified on a load of grounds and one of those grounds is that there is nothing effective to use and so a vaccine must be developed hence why there's been this massive fight against ivermectin hydroxychloroquine and others like Facebook's independent fact-checker may not be so independent after all. A U.S. congressman has questioned the impartiality of factcheck.org, which is supposed to tackle vaccine disinformation because it's indirectly funded by jab manufacturer Johnson & Johnson. Who pays the paychecks of the fact-checkers? The vaccine fact-checkers at factcheck.org, who claim to be independent, are funded by an organization that holds over $1.8 billion of stocks in a vaccine company and is run by a former director of the Centers for Disease Control. This story is not what is being sold. I have some examples for you from history. I hope this helps convince you. Six deaths in this country now linked to swine flu. The latest fatality, a 55-year-old assistant school principal from Queens. He died Sunday after battling the virus for a week. There have now been 5,000 cases reported in the United States. Worldwide, nearly 9,000 people. And health experts still not officially calling it a pandemic. Kenny Pilgrim with our report. Traditional flu season is over, but swine flu seems to be spreading at a great rate. Suddenly today, in New York City, St. David's, a private school, closed after 12% of its 400 students reported flu-like symptoms. Hello, welcome to Washington Unplugged. I'm Cheryl Atkinson. If you've been diagnosed with probable or presumed 2009 H1N1 or swine flu in recent months, you may be surprised to know this. The odds are you didn't have H1N1 flu. In fact, you probably didn't have flu at all. That's according to state-by-state -state test results obtained in our three-month-long CBS News investigation. In short, only a small fraction of cases that doctors flagged as most likely to be swine flu actually tested positive for swine flu at state labs. The vast majority of the cases were negative. Joining us to talk about our findings is Alicia Mundy, reporter for the Wall Street Journal, and Politico's Fred Barbash. First, a little background. Alicia, when the government first feared this was going to be perhaps an even more serious epidemic, a public health emergency was declared and a number of measures were triggered. What were some of them? Well, and as background, at the beginning of the year, there was a peanut scare, as you know, and the FDA was caught flat-footed, so they came into this with guns blazing, and the first thing they did was they issued an emergency use authorization, which is a special release for creating a test for the, the flu without going through major clinical trials. Get that out there so that people can use it. And then there were two medicines, the inhaler, Relenza, and the flu, uh, the flu medicine, Tamiflu. Uh, they allowed expanded uses for them, such as Tamiflu uh, for infants which it had never been approved for, so that they could make sure there were stockpiles of medicine and that people had tests available to get with it. All seemed to make sense, obviously, at the time. We were dealing with a lot of unknowns. What we found was by the third week in July, the CDC 
advised states to stop testing for individual cases of H1N1 flu, and they stopped counting individual cases. The rationale that the CDC gave was, well, why continue wasting resources tracking when we already have established there is an epidemic? But there's some disagreement on the strategy as to whether or not these individual cases should be tracked. Well, for instance, Bernadine Healy, the former director of, of NIH, has written recently that she's very concerned that we are, I believe her word was guesstimating instead of actually calculating. And the result from that, according to her and doctors I've called um, in the past day or so, are just that we could be overloading emergency rooms with people who don't have the flu. We're going to be using up medicine that might not be needed. And there's just a host of other resources that are taken up. And some of the doctors and, and uh, researchers like Bernadine Healy are saying, hey, we really need to stick with numbers the way we always have instead of just, you know, random guesses. Well, the other ramifications are once you've had the H1N1 flu, you're believed to be immune from the same virus. So those who think they've had it but haven't might mistakenly think they're immune and they might forego, forego the vaccine that they ought to have. And on the other hand, if you really have had it. My pal Jerry Baker's column today, it's a terrific column. What if we're reliving the 70s with no Reagan to save the day? I hope we put that up on the full screen today's Wall Street Journal, superb column. We're going to get Jerry Baker on the show. It is one of the greatest medical scandals of the century, according to a leading health expert in Brussels. Here's John Snow in 2009. The Council of Europe Health's chief has accused major pharmaceutical firms of organizing a campaign of panic and unduly influencing World Health Organization decisions. And with European countries now burdened with bills for millions of unwanted doses of the swine flu vaccine, he wants an investigation. Our science correspondent Tom Clark has this report. Flu viruses can spread. 64,000 people dead, tens of thousands hospitalized, a country crippled by a virus. The predictions for the impact of swine flu on Britain were grim. The government's response, spending hundreds of millions of pounds on antiviral drugs and vaccines, adverts and leaflets. But 10 months into the pandemic, only 355 Britons have died. And globally, the virus hasn't lived up to our fears. Were governments misled into preparing for the worst? Politicians in Brussels are now asking for an investigation into the role pharmaceutical companies played in influencing political decisions that led to a swine flu spending spree. There must be a process to, to get more transparency how the decisions in the, in the WHO, how they function and who is influencing the decisions of the WHO and what is the role of the pharmaceutical industry there. I'm very suspicious about the processes which are behind this uh, pandemic. The Council of Europe Committee want the investigation to focus on the World Health Organization's decision to lower the threshold required for a pandemic to be formally declared. The world is now at the start of the 2009 influenza pandemic. When this happened in June last year, governments had to activate huge pre-prepared contracts for drugs and vaccines with manufacturers. They also want to probe ties between key WHO advisors and drug companies. Who is deciding what the risk is? Is it the pharmaceutical companies who want to sell drugs? Or is it someone making a decision based on the perceived danger? In this case, it appears that the danger was vastly exaggerated. And was it exaggerated by the pharmaceutical companies in order to make money? Our government, like many others, is now paying the price for being prepared. 
Citing commercial confidentiality, the Department of Health won't actually tell us how much swine flu vaccine they actually ordered. But it's thought contracts were signed for 90 million doses. Yet fewer than 4 million people in the UK have actually had the jab. Officials here are now in negotiation with their key supplier, GlaxoSmithKline, to see if they can't rewrite that very expensive contract. Britain is now trying to cancel orders for 60 million doses of the jab, but we're not the only country awash with vaccine. France ordered 94 million doses. It's now trying to cancel contracts for 50 million of those. Germany is trying to cancel orders for 25 million doses, and the Netherlands has announced it will sell 19 million of the 34 million vaccines it ordered. Last month, an investigation by Channel 4 News raised serious questions about the government's decision to order millions of doses of the drug Tamiflu and the possibility of pharmaceutical industry influence on decision-making. Today, the Department of Health defended its pandemic purchasing decisions, telling us in a statement they were based on independent scientific advice to ensure the country against the worst possible effects of a pandemic. It's worrying health officials who call mass vaccinations the only path to a return to normalcy. Almost four months into the vaccination effort, providers are beginning to run out of people who want to be euthanized. Uh, immunized. Beginning to run out of people who want to be euthanized. Uh, immunized. Those who do not learn history a doomed to repeat it. The data we have, it still seems to be rare that an asymptomatic person actually transmits onward to a secondary individual. End of part seven.